This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone. Off we go into your Saturday morning, and now it is officially time to get this thing kick-started off the right way like we do each and every Saturday afternoon, we start it up, and it is always a good time to be inside the 103.7 The Game Studios. Pretty much the only one here. You know, I'm the person that turns the light on to get in and then turn the light off. The party's over when it's all said and done. It's like your favorite quarterback, the first one here, the first one out, or the last one out, I should say. But at the end of the day, we got to talk about everything going on in the world of sports. But it is under the dome with yours truly. Yo, it's me. It's me. The world famous CD. And we are always coming to you live from the 1037 Game Studios. And before I want to get into my big topic of the day to kind of start things off, because we've got a pretty stacked show to say the least. And I cannot wait to talk about a lot of different things. But, you know. Think about this. Today is April 11th. A month ago today was when the sports world went quiet. Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19, and then everything kind of like shut down. It's the first time I think ever we've seen something like this, where the entire sports world is shut down. And not for a couple weeks like we saw with, after 9-11. This is like literally... We don't know when we'll be when when we will be back with sports, but again, March 11th—that's one month today—the sports world went quiet. Well, at least the bouncing of basketballs, the ping of aluminum bats, and whatever sound the hockey puck makes when it makes when it hits the crossbar, all of those were silenced. Now, all we can do at this point is wait for the go-ahead to resume with sports. And I know our president of the United States wants to see sports make their return in August. Ironically, the show that I have to pre-tape due to personal reasons is the same day Donald Trump has all the major sports commissioners on a conference call to make sure that they know to start their seasons as close to as normal as planned. That's wild. The NCAA wasn't on the call because of obvious reasons. I'm sure one of our guests, when I give you the lowdown later on who's on the program, he'll give us the lowdown about the possibilities of of college football starting, well, relatively speaking, on time. This is one of those weekends where I'm where I'm usually rare to get on the air. We should be having the Masters going on right now. We should be talking about that. We should be talking about, obviously, the fallout from the national championship game. There's a lot of things we can be talking about right here, right now, and it is just overall kind of disappointing when you think about it. Because we're sitting here right now, I'm not talking about the Masters. We're not talking about baseball and the Astros and the bad blood the 29 other franchises have for the H. The XFL should be getting ready for the postseason, and now they're gone. I'll talk about that in hour number two a little bit more in depth. 
But RIP to the XFL. I'm just glad, and this is something I I talked about yesterday, was the fact that I have it on good authority. Talk with our good buddy, Alan Mike. We've had him on the program in the past to talk about a lot of different things involving the XFL. But he did tell me one thing in particular, and that is the fact that this, this was not said during the conference call. And that's exactly what happened, and I'm glad that wasn't the case. And we see now that your boy was a, the XFL is no moss, and it's just it's overall disappointing right here, right now to kind of talk about it. But I'm going to save that for later because while the rest of the sports world is absolutely quiet, the NFL makes our job easier each and every week with something big and something new. Be it a free agency move, the NFL draft going virtual reality. It's just virtual. It's not virtual reality, at least as far as I know. Or an all-decade team list drops. And that's kind of where I want to start things off on this program about the all-decade team that dropped on, I believe it was Monday. Because that's really what everybody's been talking about. Everyone's seen this. I'd say a lot of them have been seething at the fact that Drew Brees was snubbed for one of the two QB spots on the list of the best players from the 2010s. There were four current or former Saints on that list, two former LSU Tigers, Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson. But again, it was number nine's exclusion that left us wondering why. And there's a lot of reasons when you just look up and down that list of why Drew Brees did not get added to the list, why Drew Brees was not on that list that was not tabbed as the guy to be alongside Tom Brady in this all-decade list. And I've actually pulled up the numbers. I've done the math. I've figured things out. And I'm going to give you a tale of the tape and give you an idea of why exactly we're talking about Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees in the all-decade team. And I think you'll understand why I'm bringing this up. We start off with Aaron Rodgers. He had 38,145 yards over the last decade, 3,187 completions, excuse me, 4,925 attempts, so basically 64% completion percentage, 305 touchdowns to 63 interceptions. You look at Drew Brees, 46,770 yards passing, a 69.5 completion percentage, that's pretty nice. And he also had 312 touchdowns, but he had a lot more interceptions, 127 to be exact. So you look up and down, Drew Brees controls this in three out of four categories. So right now, in the words of Scott Steiner, the numbers don't lie. And Drew Brees has Aaron Rodgers beat in a lot of the counting statistics and stuff that we look at when it comes to making our selections for MVP in the NFL. But there's a couple other numbers I want to get to. Obviously, they're tied. One Super Bowl ring apiece. But they, now we look at the Pro Bowl and all pro numbers. Nine Pro Bowl appearances for Drew Brees. While Aaron has been to six Pro Bowls. But he was also named an All-Pro twice in the last decade, while Drew Brees has not. There's one more number that hasn't been brought up yet, and it will tell the whole story. Whether you like to hear it or not, and I think everybody 
has to agree with it because I think the numbers are there. Aaron Rodgers, 96-45 and 45 record over the last 10 years. That's a 680 winning percentage. Drew Brees, 95-58. and 58. 620 winning percentage. The win-loss record as a QB is the most important stat in the business next to Super Bowl rings. And Rodgers, in that sense, was significantly better than Breeze in this category. And that's why, to me, they selected, they meaning the NFL, they they selected the head honcho, the head cheese, over in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And also dating Dan, Dan Patrick, big ups to him. But these are numbers that matter when it comes to all-decade teams. So trust me, I am a huge Drew Brees fan, and I love what what he's done over the years. But the bottom line is this. When you look at the tail of the tape, everything else Drew Brees is dominant in. He's controlled a lot of those categories. I brought it up earlier. Three out of four in the just straight-up tail of the tape. They're they're matched up evenly in the Super Bowl comparison over the last decade. Pro Bowls, Drew Brees has led, but he hasn't been an All-Pro in the last decade. Nice, then the win-loss record. Aaron Rodgers dominates. And here's something else that kind of I didn't realize, I figured, but I'll tell you something. This is exactly why you do research. Aaron Rodgers has only had one losing season. That was the final year of Mike McCarthy. He went three and six. That final season had injuries. He's had injuries, so that definitely kind of hurts the case. But at the end of the day, what he's been able to do and be able to help lead a consistently solid Green Bay Packers franchise, a lot of it has to do with also the fact that, you know, you look at the Packers, they have a little bit of a homegrown mentality. They don't necessarily go for these big splash hires. They work well in the draft. They work well in free agency and get really good value and be able to get homegrown guys to where they're not necessarily having to dole out the big money, get these splash hires like we've seen several other franchises in the past do. I think that's the biggest thing for me is what's causing all this? Where are we now? And the bottom line is right here, right now, I got to say it goes to the winner. And Aaron Rodgers is named to the all-decade team over Drew Brees and alongside Tom Brady for a distinct reason, that's his win-loss record. The win-loss record is the biggest thing that matters in the world of sports today. Because if you're not, and you know, Drew Brees, he's won a lot of games, but he also had three or four, four, excuse me, four seven and nine seasons. One of those I could throw out the window, and that was the year uh, without Sean Pate, when he was not the head coach due to the whole Bounty Gate stuff. I can wipe that... Strike it from the record altogether. That being said, I think we can talk about it and say that this is, without a doubt, the strongest team of all time. And we can say that the the, the NFL made the right decision. We may not like it, but I think it was the best decision in the world. But we got a great show on tap for you today. At around the bottom of the hour, we're going to go very, very different because I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and branch out and get some really cool guests to join the program. And that guest in particular is Moonshine Mantel Pro Wrestler who worked alongside the man from the 
Netflix doc that has captured America's hearts and eyes as well. And we're talking about Tiger King and the man who's called simply Joe Exotic. We'll talk to him at 1030. And also at 1115, we'll talk to Ross Dellinger. We'll talk to him a little bit about what's going on with college football, what the future looks like, because I think there's a lot of things to be going on with college football. Could the season be going on on time? What's happening there? So we'll talk to him about that. At 11.30, Chris Gordy joins the show because, honestly, Bill O'Brien has done more than enough to make us want to know what's causing all this and what we can talk about with him. Well, we're going to do that at 11.30, and I'm looking forward to also talk a little bit of Astros as well. And, by the way, right after Under the Dome wraps up, make sure you keep it locked. That way you can enjoy some Astros baseball. That's right, another Astros classic coming your way. And I gotta say, it's a darn good one. I actually re-listened to these two because I gotta put all this together. A little inside baseball here. I basically get the files from the Astros and I put this all together so it can go to air. And man, oh man, I enjoyed listening to the two that we're gonna air this weekend, and we'll air one right after this show wraps up. And that is a really good game between the Astros and the Rangers. Josh Reddick had a whale of a ball game. We'll play that one for you to this afternoon right after we're done here on Under the Dome. And then we'll also air a special 1 o'clock Astros Classic for the Baltimore Orioles game last year when Jordan Alvarez really broke out three home runs. The AL Rookie of the Year definitely deserved it. I was well ahead of that train. Right, I think it was that game that kind of turned me around and made me realize how damn good that kid is. Twenty, It was a 22-2 to two game. And I just was looking at the box score because sometimes like we get the files a little weird. But I absolutely love the fact that I was just re-listening to parts of that game. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot how good that season was, especially once Jordan Alvarez took over. It was such a key cog in that offense and that lineup. It is really, really good. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll come back, and we'll continue the conversation about Drew Brees. And, you know, I'm going to keep the convo going about him, but in a different perspective. When it comes to his future, once he once he hangs up the cleats, I'll talk about it in a two-minute drill, but I'll break it down a little bit more and give you my thoughts. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia and a sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The game hotline open, 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the action, hurry up. Again, I've got Ryan Mantell, Moonshine Mantell, join the program at 1030. So make sure you get in while I can fit you in back after this. Every time CD takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037 thegamecom Coming to you live from the game studios. The hotline open right now, 337-706-0111. If you want to talk about anything and everything, it is wide open. Up until a little after 1030, we'll have Moonshine Mantel Pro Wrestler coming on the program towards the bottom of the hour. In fact, we're getting close to that. 
But I want to talk about Drew Brees and his post football career in terms of his playing days. His playing days are kind of coming to an end. Drew Brees are making solid bank when you think about it, not only on the field, but off the field with a lot of his partnerships. Hawkins, Jimmy Johns, Surge Entertainment. The list goes on. And obviously, once this whole thing is over, I might finally go to Surge Entertainment. It's really a cool place from what I've heard. But he's also getting ready to flex his color commentary muscles. There was a lot of rumor and innuendo surrounding it. And, well, here's where he's going. He's not going to the four-letter network to be alongside a guy like Joe Tessitore or whoever they were going to put in that play-by-play spot. He's going over to to NBC. That's right. Breeze turned down the four-letter network and is strutting over to the Peacock Network and is reportedly being groomed to the guy who will be sliding in stage right, maybe stage left sometimes, once Chris Collinsworth decides to step away from the booth. I missed that sliding into the sliding chair. And as the camera pans out, you got Chris Collinsworth right there. But the eventual plan, according to reports, is to put Mike Tirico, a voice that is pretty synonymous with New Orleans Saints. He was on the call for that famous rebirth game, which you wound up catching a re-airing of this past Monday night on the Four Letter Network, alongside the current Saints QB. But it won't immediately be Brees taking over for Collinsworth. His report says, according to the New York Post, Andrew Marchand with the hit with the tip, is that he's set to start as a studio analyst for both the Notre Dame games and as part of the Football Night in America crew, alongside again Mike Tirico. And I mentioned when the idea of Breeze going to the booth was even considered, they don't need time to adjust to the third act of his football life, because when you think about it, the San Diego Chargers was his first act. The second act is what's going on right here, right now. Drew Breeze with the Saints and being able to lead him to the Super Bowl. The third act will be him as a color commentator slash analyst slash whatever they want to put him in, because I think he'll do pretty darn well. And it feels like the right move to put him in the studio to start, because for me, it's going to make things like more seamless for him. You'll have time to kind of determine like what direction he wants to take and figure out how to be a good, a really good broadcaster. And having somebody like Mike Tirico coaching him up like a Sean Payton, that could be a, a really great relationship. And it's going to be pretty damn interesting to see what's going to happen with Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football going forward. Where does the four-letter network go? Rumor and innuendo is Steve Levy being the front runner, and the color spot can be anyone from Dan Orlovsky, and I like his stuff on Get Up. He's definitely become a solid broadcaster for the mothership, and even Kurt Warner, who's doing a bang-up job for color commentary on Westwood One for Monday Night Football, alongside the best play-by-play man in the game today, Kevin Harlan. By the way, Warner's, again, damn good at his role, too, but it's an interesting time to be a sports commentator because of the amount of money they're willing to throw at former players. And honestly, it feels like the right idea because it's worked in the past. You look all around. John Madden, one of the most notable color guys in the history of the business, just celebrated a birthday recently. I mean, the dude had a video game named after him. There's a reason why he's been put over so much. Former coach, former player. Yeah, a guy like Collinsworth. People forget, probably, that Collinsworth played wide receiver back in the 80s. With the Cincinnati Bengals, you've got a lot of different players who have done well at varying degrees. Obviously, Booker McFarland, 
notwithstanding with him drawing wieners on national television. That's a thing that happened. But I like the idea. They're throwing money at it. And because guess what? They've got the money. They're going to be making tons of money because of these TV deals with the NFL. The NFL is the biggest money-making giant the, the, the Peacock Network has. Because guess what they do? Each and every year, 17 games. Next year, it'll be 18. That might come into those negotiations. Add another game to the list for NBC. That means potentially Breeze. It's Rico could be the number two team, the B team, on Thursday nights. Until, obviously, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth do right off into the sunset. I think this is going to be a really good combination because of the fact Tariko will be coaching up Breeze and helping him learn along the way about how to be a great color guy and be a great guy who can handle the color commentary role. I think he'll do well. I think he'll be able to handle himself. He'll be a lot more, I'd say, it'll take him a while to be critical. Me and Ben have talked about that many a time, is the fact that I think that's going to be something that's going to take him a little bit of time to do, and that is to be critical of players and be critical of coaches, especially when it comes to the Saints games. I think that'll be something that he'll have to figure out a little bit down the road. Because that is just a thing that's just going to take some time. And, you know, before we take a timeout, I wanted to bring this up as well. Tom Brady, my God, he is branding. He is a brand machine because we know he tried filing a trademark for Tom Terrific recently. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting what you're going to do with that. So go ahead and have fun with that. And then he winds up kind of dropping in with Tampa. Yes, you're right, Tampa. And I don't understand why, but Tampa Bay is what he is trying to get trademarked. And he was saying that, why doesn't Drew Brees do that? Drew Brees has got so much damn money from a lot of these different partnerships. It's like he doesn't necessarily need to do that. He hasn't got, like, blank you money, but he's got pretty damn good money. And he's able to, like, get by and be able to handle everything. It's like, and again, Tom Brady doesn't really need to be, like, a a brand, a marketing genius is the fact that he is very much just himself. He's very much like in his own zone and he has a lot of fun doing it. And he's got a wife that makes more money than he's made in his NFL career. Like that's the crazy part of it all. That is the wild part of it all. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we're going to flip it over. We're going to do something very different. I usually try and keep it sports related. But I think everybody's been talking about this show, and that is Tiger King. I've heard Tiger King this, Tiger King that, Carol Baskins this, Joe Exotic that. And I actually managed to find somebody that has actually spent time alongside Joe Exotic, and that is pro wrestler. Yes, pro wrestler Moonshine Mantel. We'll talk to him about his career, how he got into it all, and how COVID-19 is affecting his livelihood in the sport of professional wrestling because independent wrestling is largely kind of in a holding pattern. It's not like the WWE and AEW, they're able to tape shows weeks out in advance. Independent wrestling, a little bit of a different monster. Now you don't have that. How are they getting by? But more importantly, we'll talk about Joe Exotic. What was it like wrestling in a zoo? Yes, you heard me right. Inside a zoo and a whole lot more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Few Manchester United supporters. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. Was getting a little nervous there, just as, just as I was about to come back on the program. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, by the way. want to try, try to wrangle our guest to get him on the program. And we got him in, and I'm looking forward to this one. I'm sure you are as well out there listening, however you're doing. So be it in the car, a clock radio, smart speakers, mobile apps, even 1037thegame.com. Make sure you listen to us on the state, or if you have to go, go turn on your radio, and listen to 103.7 The Game. Right now, we got on the game hotline, he is an eight-year veteran in pro wrestling. He's in the independent wrestling circuit primarily in the Texas area, and it's been a good bit of time in Texoma pro wrestling. You might be wondering what that is. Well, it's a promotion that held events at the infamous GW Zoo, and if you've watched Tiger King, and I think a lot of you out there in the area have watched it, because after all, you're staying at home, you're watching Netflix, you probably binge-watched this along with the rest of America and we're talking about Joe Exotic, and we're talking about it right now with Moonshine Mantel. How's it going? Pretty good, guys. How's it going? It is going pretty darn well. And first things first, how did you get started in the wild world of professional wrestling? Um, I mean, just like anyone else you usually gets started, you have to go to school and get trained for it. But um, I was finishing off my last uh, semester in college at Texas State University in uh, San Marcos. And um wanted to be a wrestler since the time I was 10 years old. And I kind of told myself I went through school and uh, got some sort of backup plan. I still wanted to pursue it. Then um, I was going to go for it. And obviously the reason why we we're having you on right now is because of the fact that definitely the name Joe Exotic and his pro wrestling career, which many people probably didn't know about, wasn't really talked about that much in the doc. But what was your first encounter with Joe Exotic like? Um, I mean, in all honesty, like the, the people who you meet in wrestling, I mean, it, they're the most, you meet some of the brightest and like craziest characters in professional wrestling. So in all honesty, when I first met Joe, you know, and he's, he looks the way he does, he talks the way he does, acts the way he does. Like I thought it was just another, you know, another night of professional wrestling. I didn't really think anything uh, of it. I, he kind of just fit right in perfectly. I mean, the name Joe Exotic alone just sounds like the perfect pro wrestling name. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought, honestly, in all honesty, I thought, you know, okay, it's just another night for pro wrestling and then just another person who I'm meeting. Exactly. And he even did color commentator for Texoma Wrestling back when it was called NWA Texoma. And I'm sure you probably wound up watching some of that tape years back, but... On a scale from Bobby Heenan to Byron Saxton, where did he land in terms of his color commentary role? Um, I mean, Joe Joe didn't really know anything about wrestling. Like that wasn't his background or anything like that. 
Um, he was just a showman. <laughs> so I guess for that, for the crowd that, um, for, for the crowd for that, for that particular promotion, he did okay. He kind of fit in or whatever, but all in all, like Joe, Joe had no business, you know, calling professional wrestling. <laughs> but I'm uh, talking right now with Moonshine Mantel, pro wrestler out of Texas, and definitely got to know Joe Exotic, the man that has definitely kind of, I'd say, captured America's eyelids. He's at the end of the day, you know, you think about it, everything that's going on in the world, Tiger King has been a big respite for a lot of different people, and they've been binge-watching it like crazy. But I brought up him holding cards at the GW Zoo, the infamous GW Zoo, and I know I wound up reading an article that was on Vice that you were a part of, and they had it at the parking lot, but... Correct me if I'm wrong. They had a show in front of freaking tigers, right? I mean, yeah, basically you're out there and, you know, here's the wrestling ring is basically set up in between all these cages that hold, you know, either tigers, bears, wolves, you know, whatever you can think of, but mostly tigers. That is just wild to think about when you think about just the fact you're wrestling. I mean, you got to think about the fact that you've probably wrestled a lot of different places. I know about 20 minutes down the road from right here, I used to see wrestling shows over in a rooster pit where they used to have rooster fights back in the day. But it was it like the weirdest place you've ever, or a promotion that you've worked with, had a match inside that kind of environment? Um. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely like the weirdest. I think... Uh... <laughs> Outside of that, maybe I've wrestled in, like, a couple barns that were, like, basically look like they're basically abandoned, you know. And you get there, and you pull up to the barn. Um, and I remember there's a few shows I had out of other barns, and you basically pull up to these barns, and you're like, there's no way, no way there's a wrestling show here tonight. You know, I have to be at the wrong address. And sure enough, <laughs> you know, that's the right place. So, yeah, I mean, being out at Joe's, you know, it's, it was definitely different and um, <laughs> unique, to say the least, but... It was a pretty cool show, man. Honestly, it was very lighthearted. It was cool being out there with all the animals because, you know, basically we just had the zoo to ourselves, you know, uh, before the show and stuff. So that was really cool. But, yeah, it was uh, definitely a unique experience, to say the least. And a little bit lighter-hearted right now because I was thinking about this last night when I was kind of just coming up with notes for the show. What do you think is more intimidating to wrestle in or at? A zoo like the GW Zoo in front of tigers and cages and yeah the fireworks and all that going off or the boneyard match. <laughs> uh, uh, I would say probably uh, tigers in the cages and all that stuff, man. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's it's hard to kind of keep your attention on what's going on and stuff when you have all these like lions and tigers kind of just roaming around, just kind of like watching what you're doing and stuff. So, not to mention all like. Eat, you know, Joe would also have, like, random chickens and roosters just running around the entire, like, zoo, too. So, like, those were just randomly, you know, running around, like, the ring as well. So, All right, let's flip it back over to you for a minute because, obviously, you're an independent wrestler. It's, it's not like the WWE where they've been able to do shows from their own little private property in the WWE Performance Center. But... Like, how are things for you with COVID-19 wiping out a lot of independent wrestling shows across the country, and that being the lifeblood of what you do? What have you been doing to kind of keep that dream alive right now? Um, just being patient, man. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been wrestling now for a little over seven years, and in, in the seven years I've been uh, wrestling, like, I really haven't had any breaks to uh, let my body recoup or anything. So I'm trying to take this time and, you know, stay on the positive side and, 
just let my body heal and everything like that. But, um, you know, it, it sucks, you know, because wrestling is also part of my, one of my incomes, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm also not working um, my uh, my regular job during the week either. So it's uh, it's been tough right now, at least, uh, say, financially. Yeah, I can about imagine it definitely is kind of the same across this great country of ours right now. We're seeing a lot of people go through, as Dusty Rhodes used to say back in the day, hard time blues right now, and it's just not not a great look. But you know what? Let's kind of end this thing on a high, on a lighthearted note because I feel like just having a lot of fun here. And we talk about Joe Exotic. And in terms of wrestlers you've either met or faced off against, who would best fit that Joe Exotic moniker in your mind? <laughs> The Joe Exotic Monster. Um, let's see. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a guy who I knew out of Colorado. I don't think he, uh, he was a manager, but his name was the Polish Prince. And this dude was like, you know, when he decided he wanted to get into wrestling, he was like in his 40s. Um, you know, his kind of his life was all like crumbling all around him and everything like that. Um, just a straight out character. Dude kind of just like threw all his life savings into a bunch of different schemes that other wrestlers were, uh, you know, bringing before him and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, the Polish Prince, he would walk around. He had like a big beer gut. You know, he used to tell people he was like jacked and stuff and he would be serious about it. You know, he'd be like, I'm, I'm bigger than you. And, you know, he kind of push his weight around. Um, he had a big beer belly, you know, he was probably about like five, seven, uh, wore a little top hat, had like a, you know, ungroomed beard and that kind of stuff. And he would show up to shows. And I, I met him through, uh, some people I knew, um, or some people I know through, uh, the Colorado circuits and stuff. And when I was up in Kansas city, like he came through a couple times and passed out on our couch and, you know, tried to get on the shows and stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, that was the Polish Prince is probably like, the closest thing I could think to a Joe Exotic character. For me, for me, I gotta say it's probably current NWA TV champion Outlandish Zicky Dice. That's exactly what I feel like matches the Joe Exotic gimmick. If he didn't be called, if he wasn't called Zicky Dice, I feel like Joe Exotic would work that extremely well. Saw him in a match last year at like an old independent show, and that I just was like blown away. This dude is exactly Joe Exotic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and they kind of look similar, too. They look like they'd be related. <laughs> All right, and, you know, a couple more fun things to kind of talk about is, obviously, this actually blew my mind. You can't make this stuff up, even if we tried. Donald Trump was asked earlier this week by a pool reporter if Joe Exotic should be pardoned. Should he really be pardoned? I feel like that was a weird question to be asking during a press conference. More that had a lot more important stuff than Joe, than Tiger King getting pardoned. Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, so Joe was always cool to me, always, you know, top-notch, treating me with respect and everything like that. But, you know, we can't <laughs> – you can't get past the fact that, you know, he did a lot of bad things, you know. And uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe out of the entire documentary, he's, he's probably the one who's like, you know – the lesser of evil out of all of them, but yeah, I mean, what does that say, really? Yeah, I'm about to say uh, the less evil. Per- I mean, you got Carol Baskin. I mean, that's kind of where I want it here. Did Carol Baskin kill her husband? Oh hell yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much, man, for coming on the program. We'll talk to you down the road. Wish you nothing but the best in terms of independent wrestling. Hopefully this thing can be over sooner rather than later. That way you can get back in the 20 by 20 squared circle. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, that was Moonshine Mantel. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter, at Moonshine Mantel. That's Mantel with two L's. That was just a fantastic interview. I was glad to get him in because it was just a little bit, like, I got a little concerned because I managed to get in touch with him. Middle of the week, wasn't sure if you remembered, so I just hit him up in the DMs. I appreciate him joining the show. Just always great to talk with a pro wrestler. And more importantly about Joe Exotic, that story the stories are amazing. And it's always great. To, like The fact that he's considering Joe Exotic to be a real deal, like real life professional wrestler, just the way that he treated himself, the moniker and everything, the persona of Joe Exotic really does lend itself really well to the sport of pro graps. Just a fantastic interview. I can't wait to talk to some more people about this down the road. But we'll probably like save those because, of course, Next couple weeks will be draft focused. Actually, probably the next three weeks of the show will be more focused on the NFL draft. But before we wrap up our number one, we're going to talk a little bit about baseball. Their wild and crazy idea that just might work when it comes to saving MLB in the 2020 season. In just a little bit. We'll take a timeout. Be back with a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 the game at 1037 thegamecom You listen to Under the Dome with CD. From the preps. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. To the pros. Kick ass on one. Ready? And everywhere in between. Let's get back Under the Dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 the game. Just a few more minutes left in our number one of Under the Dome with CD on Acadia Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live in the game studios, as always. And I am just absolutely enjoying this wonderful Saturday morning. It's a holy Saturday, and tomorrow is Easter Sunday. So hopefully you're out there enjoying yourself and passing a good time on this. It's a pretty nice Saturday afternoon and tomorrow the weather is supposed to be just like we pop on. So hopefully you're able to kind of like enjoy this and more importantly, stay the heck at home. I know yesterday a lot of people were probably out there doing some crawfish boils, but make sure you try and keep the social distancing to the maximum extent and don't have these huge, huge gatherings. Because honestly, we want to kind of see this thing go down and go down in a positive manner because I think that's definitely what everybody wants. We want to be able to have football back. We want to have football in our lives. That's basically what we're doing right now. I think that should be the motto everybody here in the Acadiana area and probably the entire state should have. We're playing we're we're staying at home so we can have college football in the summer in the fall. That's what our goal is. That's what the end game is. I know there's a chance you could have another flare up, but honestly I think we need to be able to kind of set ourselves up to the point where everything is set up, where we can be ready to go right then and there, and we can have a lot of great conversations about college football rather than talk about what might have been. Because I think we're getting tired of the whole what might have been, the isolation. I know we're getting tired of the isolation stuff, 
Just make sure you stay the heck at home unless you absolutely have to get out like I do because I'm here doing a show. I've got to be live, and I can't necessarily – because here's the thing. Inside baseball here. I'm going to probably talk a little bit of baseball to start the 11 o'clock hour because I've, I've got to get to what I want to talk about with the XFL. I might say that for towards the end of the program. I've got other stuff that I want to get to as well. I've got two guests coming on in hour number two, and that is our guys – Chris Gordy and Ross Dellinger. Delly's going to join at 11.15. 11.30, we'll talk with Chris Gordy. But that's what you should be doing. Stay in the hell at home. I think we're seeing the numbers show that maybe, just maybe, we're starting to plateau in terms of like hospitalizations and deaths. We're starting to see the good stuff. This is actually coming from a former UL alum, David Begno, in terms of New York State. The COVID-19 pandemic hitting hard over there in New York, is the total hospitalizations have seemed to plateaued. Even the ICU admissions are down. What's interesting is intubations, when they put a tube in, those are at a ne- negative number. So that's a huge, like, kind of, it's a small victory, but it's a really good victory. So hopefully you're able to kind of continue to stay at home and mitigate this thing as much as possible. And you know what? i got enough time to get into my the MLB's master plan for the 2020 season. And I'm going to be real quick with this. The MLB is working on something big for the future when it comes to having a 2020 season. That's splitting time between Arizona and Florida. For a quick frame of reference, they'll split up into two leagues, Grapefruit League and Cactus League. And according to a report from Bob Nightingale of USA Today, the Astros will return to Florida and be in the same division as the Washington Nationals, St. Louis Cardinals, and the Miami Marlins. So in a sense, the Astros could be back in the NL and, more importantly, renewing a rivalry with the Cardinals. And at least this division could be more entertaining than the AOS would be if the AOS was happening. Because, obviously, the AOS is a joke outside the Astros. They could dominate that, that division in the AL. Now, the only flaw in this plan is the fact that the state of Florida has been a hotbed for COVID-19, much like New Orleans, and a lot of other big cities. New York City is probably one of the worst ones that was, that's been hit. New York State has been hit pretty darn hard. And how many more of these kind of things are going to have? you got to be able to keep these people like pretty much on lockdown. They're going to be quarantined or sequestered away from their families for months at a time. A lot of these people, young kids. A few Astros got young kids. Justin Verlander, I think maybe a one-year-old. And he'd be leaving his wife for like six, seven months. God only knows how long this is going to last. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And it's going to be interesting to see what the MLB is going to come up with in a shortened season, settle this up, get people ready. Because honestly, you got to try and finish up spring training. you got to try and get a few spring training games in to make sure your guys are ready to go. Justin Verlander, I bring him up. He's coming off an injury, so he's going to have to kind of like really step his game up. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Once we find out more information about it, we'll bring it to you. You say, that's what what we do here. We give you the latest and greatest news in the world of sports, and hopefully we have a lot of fun as well. I think we did in our number one with... Ryan Mantell, Moonshine Mantell, a great conversation with him about 
the band called Joe Exotic, Tiger King, and a whole lot more. And yes, Carol Baskins did kill her husband with that tiger. So we'll wrap up the hour like that. We'll be back with you in just a few. Hour number two. I'm going to talk a little XFL. We hardly knew ye. And then we'll have Ross Dellinger, 11.15, 11.30. Chris Gordy. We'll talk about Bill O'Brien, how much of an idiot he is. Next. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone. We're in our number two of two in terms of Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game. And 1037thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon, wherever you are. We're coming to you live, as always, from the game studios. I'm the only one in here. I mentioned earlier, inside baseball, I'm literally the only one in here in the game studios. I'm all by myself, all by my lonesome. Talk with you over the next hour about a lot of different things. But right now... One final time, at least seemingly, I could probably say inevitably, we'll play this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL! And obviously that was from the first go-round of the XFL. This go-round was a lot better all the way around. The overall play was better. The presentation was fantastic. Now, the question is, why? Why did the XFL fail this time? The XFL, we hardly knew ye. And there's a lot of different reasons. But I think the biggest one of them all was COVID-19 happened. Remember, I brought it up at the beginning of the show. A month ago today, Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19. If that didn't happen, would the XFL go on without fans? Would the NCAA tournament have have happened? Would have the Masters have happened when it was supposed to happen this weekend. Would the MLB be playing without fans? There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of what-ifs. And I usually do what-if to start off the second hour during these weird times. But I've decided to opt out of that this week. Because honestly, the XFL wound up taking precedent. As mentioned in the two-minute drill, the XFL is over, dead, and buried. R.I.P. And I got it from Al Michael. They had a press conference, they had a teleconference call, and they fired everybody. No one was left, even the higher-ranking executives. Except Oliver Luck was probably fired for all we know. We'll probably want to find figuring it out down the road. But bottom line is, the XFL is no more. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that the XFL wasn't meant to be in this sense. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The XFL 
was hit with something that they couldn't have seen coming two years ago when they created the XFL, and they spent time, they spent two years developing the idea, investing half a million dollars of Vincent Kennedy McMahon's own money. Now, bring up his own money because I saw this thread yesterday. I'm going to try to pull it up in a couple of minutes, but it is very, very interesting just in terms of the conspiracy theory of the XFL and really and the real reason why they shut down. So I'm going to have fun with this. So I'm going to pull this up and try and find you know the idea. Okay, so we think about it. The XFL is complicated, the way the whole situation is. To fund the league, Vincent Kennedy McMahon sold a total of approximately $500 million worth of WWE stock to provide a runway for the XFL. The estimated losses for year one, around $130 million. So they were slightly more than anticipated. So what happened? WWE released guidance immediately after postponing Mania with the goal of calming investor fears and stopping the stock price from going in the tank. Because if WrestleMania was canceled or whatever, they would have lost a ton of money. In that guidance, WWE stated that they had, between cash on hand and available credit, WWE has about half a billion on hand. So we were waiting to save $500 million, but whatever. I'm, I'm going to give credit to Stephen Gavin. He actually talked about this. A washed-up former MMA fighter and wrote this like theory. It's almost like a conspiracy theory. But, again, it's $500 million, and, but, you know, they said half a billion. It's a weird way to say it, but okay. So why pull a plug? And he said he thinks the answer is fairly clear, but it's not good. The first thing to keep in mind is... Our current president of the United States has only a handful of people he considers friends. And when you think about it, Vince McMahon, to a certain extent, is that kind of guy. You know, Vince McMahon had WrestleMania 4 and 5 over at Trump Plaza. Donald Trump's a WWE Hall of Famer. He took a stunner at WrestleMania 23, which is really not that long ago when you think about it. But again, with $370 million of runway left, it seemed premature to terminate league functions unless he believes that WWE may need that capital. It's a hypothesis, according to Gavin, but let's kind of keep going with this. The exact number lost on Mania projections minus reality equals, it's unknown right now, but a, you can ballpark probably about $50 million based on previous financials and how shows are break-even or at a loss. So that leaves TV. And people obviously are pretty peeved and cheesed off, if you will, about the fact that WWE continues to run. And they're still running to this day. Last night, they were running SmackDown. As far as I could tell, it was live. Allegedly, they were taping. Now they're live. I guess you got them, uh, Vince McMahon be like Bill O'Reilly. We'll do it live! No, we, they're doing it however they want to do it. Because obviously, you know, if they stop running TV, either NBC or Fox could. Now, keyword, could, not would terminate their current television deals. And that would be an absolute disaster for everyone involved, especially since the majority of talents signed new deals in 2019 and many got a significant raise to keep them all tied up and not go to the competition. And to tie it all together, I don't believe Vince terminates the league. This is all according to Stephen Gavin, saying that he, because he felt like he had to or was pressured to. He did it because cash is king when the market is down 
and it's very re- realistic to believe that, that WWE, his baby, could quite possibly need the money as well. And that is a really strong point when you think about everything that's going on in the economy, not just in the United States, but around the world. There's a lot of money that's not going to be going through certain people's pockets, and Vince McMahon is one of those. So what happens next in terms of the XFL? A lot of those players have already kind of the high-profile players. Your P.J. Walkers of the world. Most of the Houston Roughnecks, the uncrowned champion of this new XFL league. It's sad. But right here, right now, this was just an inevitability to see a rookie league get killed off again. And this go round, they had less games than the AAF. The last time around, they got to a championship game. They got to the LA Extreme, being the champions in one of the worst title games of all time. But they got to it. Tommy Maddox, while going to Pittsburgh shortly after. And then they got Roethlisberger. The rest is his history. But even then, Tommy Maddox was pretty damn good as a stealer, from what I can remember. But it's really weird right here, right now. To talk about the XFL being dead in the water only after five weeks of football, thirty games, or excuse me, I think it was like I think it was like twenty something because they have eight, they have four games a week times five, twenty games. My math is dumb. Or twenty five games. Wait, yeah, twenty games. My math is completely off right now. I'm very little sleep, I guess. So, what I'm trying to tell you, folks, is the fact that the NFL, the XFL, is done. I think this is the last last attempt at spring football. As much as we love spring football, just the fact that we'd probably kill for any kind of new sport right about now that's not esports or whatever. I think this is the last hope. This was the Obi-Wan Kenobi of all spring football talk. It's over. It's done. And I'm willing to live with it. Could we see another league come back and try and do this again? I would like it. But you need to have financial backing and have decent money to make sure that league can last the full season, unlike, you know, the AF. The XFL had money. But it just felt better to just cut your losses, go home, and and work on making sure your baby, the WWE, can still exist in the next couple of years. It seems like a smart move to me. And everybody, everybody's up in arms about the WWE, AEW continuing to do shows. I'll tell you this. I, I'm almost certain they're doing extensive checks. And guess what? They're not forcing anybody to do anything. They are not forcing anybody to do anything. This has come down from a lot of different sources across the world. WWE and AEW are not forcing anybody to do anything that they feel uncomfortable about. If they want to stay home, they can stay home. Quarantine, let yourself be. Make sure that you take care of yourself. They're letting you do that. They're letting them do that. That is the right way to handle this. If you're Vince McMahon and you've got to make money, and you've got a bunch of different people to please. 
Vincent Kennedy McMahon is a big people pleaser, and at the end of the day, you know, he's a germaphobe. I've read several stories, so he doesn't like people sneezing. So, like, if you have COVID nineteen, there's no way in hell you're getting anywhere near the WWE locker room because I mean they're sanitizing the ring every single show they do, every single taping they're doing right now. After every show, they're taping they're taping shows. After that, they sanitize everything. They make sure everything is perfect, making sure everything is okay. And on the up and up. Again, they're on private property, and they're able to tape. It's not like other venues where they could be blocked because of the fact that they're using it for different reasons. Like, for instance, WrestleMania wasn't going to happen at Raymond James Stadium because they were using it for COVID-19 screening tests. They were like, like, Cajun, like the Cajun Dome is being used for that right now during this time. It's the right way to go about it. Everything that's being handled is being handled the right way by everybody. Because I think that, I think this is just one of the inevitabilities of WWE doing business with a lot of different people, a lot of different masters, and they want content. Content's king. And guess what? If you can't deliver that content, that's a, that could be a breach of contract. You could be getting less money, and less money out of this deal with Fox is definitely going to hurt the pocketbook and if the worst-case scenario happens, that billion-dollar contract that Fox signed with Vince McMahon, that goes poof, and it's gone, and Vince might be done. That's just the way I think about it. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout and deviate from the XFL and WWE talk. We'll go to college football talk with our guy, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, almost at the advocate. He used to work for them. But he's with Sports Illustrated now, so we'll talk to him about what's going on with college football, what he's been to hear from ADs, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules, and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And now let's get out to the game hotline, talk with Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, talk a little college football on this Saturday afternoon. Ross, how's it going? Good. How are y'all? Uh, we're doing all right here inside the game studios in Lafayette, Louisiana. Been, been definitely kind of a weird time. I know it's definitely been a weird time for a lot of people across this great country of ours. But starting things off with college football, and what's the likelihood of college football being played at least on time? Now I'm saying – like maybe a couple weeks later than its usual start time in your mind? Um, you know, I, I think it's fairly high for for college football being played at like with a delay start. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, administrators are kind of kicking around a lot of ideas. A lot of them are so preliminary. Um, I think you're going to see more serious discussion in the May and probably some kind of decision around, I would guess, around mid to late May, you would think, 
they'd have to make a decision on on the season. Uh, so there's a lot of options. Delay start, you know, starting in October, playing a full season and just having everything, you know, push back a month or um, you've got a, a, you know, a delay start with a, a kind of a shortened season where you just play conference games. That way you're keeping everything on schedule. Um, so there's, there's a few options. <laughs> of course, you could start on time. You know, that would be great. Uh, or you could push it to the spring, you know, and have a, a spring season, which really um, brings into play uh some other issues especially uh, you know you you would be impacting the next season the following season if you played through April or May so um just just some very early on you know kicking around of ideas and you wrote a big feature on a sports illustrated about you with several different ADs you talked about you talked to about a situation where potentially the season could be canceled what was kind of the overall vibe from different ADs about the possible the prospects of a season potentially being canceled? Well, I think I, I, that would be um, they're going to because of financially how big football is, the athletic department um, and the revenue from football. They're going to probably do everything they can as long as it's safe enough to get a season in. And, and uh, so for it to be for a season to be canceled uh, completely. We'd be, we'd obviously be, um, be in trouble as a nation um, when it came to the virus because clearly something's going wrong if, if we're not going to play football at all. So I think the the odds of not playing at all um, seem pretty far. You know, I, I just they seem pretty low. I, I just uh, I, I do expect some kind of season to be played. You know, you look at the numbers. Um, football is just the, the the biggest driving force for college athletics. Some athletic departments, it's uh, like LSU, for instance, it's 85% of their revenue, you know, and you look at uh, football ticket sales and football TV money and football donations. Um, each of those make up 25 to 30% of LSU's budget and combine it all, and, and it's about 80, 85%. So um, it, it's such a big part of college athletics that if you didn't play at all, um, you'd have, you'd have, You'd have teams potentially shut down their program. I mean, that that's that is how big it is. And you know, of course, we're talking purely hypothetical. If we don't have a 2020 college football season, and like I, you're optimistic, and I'm kind of the same way. I think we will have a season. But if it doesn't happen, like how quickly could that like de- like just take down a lot of programs, not just for football? But just throughout all of college sports, because you think about it, you brought it up perfectly. LSU football, eighty-five percent of the revenue. We look at programs like UL Monroe. UL Monroe is in a little bit of a struggle right now, even with football being the big king and being their big money maker. They're not making a whole lot of money, so it's like you just look at what ULM's with ULM situation right now. They could be, they could just have to shut down their entire athletics program. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, football, especially at the power five level, football provides the funds to run other sports. Um, you know, and again, LSU is a good example. They, they made $56 million profit on football last year, LSU did, and they lost about $23 million on all other sports. So it, it, it kind of balances things out. Now, ULM is a little different in, in just the group of five. In general, uh, these lower-level schools are a little different because they, they're not necessarily relying on football profit. They don't make football profit, but they are relying on the schools, the, the state, um, 
in school funds to uh, to help them uh, and to balance their own budget. I mean, uh, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but <clears throat> the average Group of Five team, um, you know, last, this is last year's numbers. The average Group of Five team made uh, or got um, more than twenty million dollars from their school and their state, and just state and school, you know, institutional funding. Uh, and with the economic recession coming into play, you might be looking at uh, a lot of states that pull higher education funding, a lot of schools that where the enrollment might drop, and you might not get all those student fees. So while the power five is, is, you know, makes this big profit, big number on football and it helps run out all of the sports, the group of five really, man, really, um, uh, really needs that state money and the institution money. And, uh, because of a potential economic recession, you know, you might, you, you might not have all that money. So, uh, that, that very well could be, could be an issue. Uh, some of these, some of these places just they just get so much money from the state. Uh, it's uh, it's really incredible. Uh, some of the numbers, um, as much as thirty five million dollars. You know, last year some schools got from the state. Exactly, and it's just wild to kind of even think about an idea of college football being canceled and just seeing how much could wind up change the landscape of college football, regardless if the season starts or not, could be like vastly different come 2021 because you brought it up perfectly. Some of these group of five schools may not be able to kind of like stay, stay afloat in terms of just the academic side of it in general. It's just, it's going to be a very weird time for a lot of different programs. And that makes uh, somebody actually brought this up online recently about the potential of like conference alignment being shifted and where expansion and maybe retraction even, what do you kind of think about that? Could there be some conference expansion amongst the power five groups? Yeah, you know, certainly conference realignment and, you know, even a couple of administrators brought up a, a type of super division to me. Um, you know, the, the, the places with a lot of money that could potentially survive a maybe a nuclear fall where you don't have football, um, you could see some divi- different divisions. But in order to do all that, I, I think you'd have to you'd have to basically lose the football season. And so you'd have to have programs shutting down, You'd have to have um, then programs and conferences merging. You know, in order for all that to happen, you probably have to have not have a football season. And we're we're just trending in the direction of I think one is going to be played. It's just going to be a little different. You know, even even if we do you know play one, it, it, no matter what, it's going to be different. I mean, ads are already expecting to lose fifteen to twenty percent of their revenue, even if you played a normal football season. Just you know, because of the economy, you're gonna uh, donations are gonna probably dry up a little bit. You know, um, and then you look at uh, ticket sales. Maybe you don't. You have some kind of limited attendance, and and then you know you might not have as many games. So your your TV money might drop a little bit. So they're already expecting, at best case, to lose fifteen to twenty percent of their revenue. So that could mean, uh, you know, that could mean some sports being cut. Uh, but in order to have, I think, a full realignment and all that stuff, you 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 know, college football. Um, if it's not played, then then I think you have a better chance of all that happening. And one more before I let you go, Ross. It's about more about a potential expansion of the college football playoff. An anonymous survey was published from Stadium about the fact that an overwhelming majority of ads across the country would be in favor of expanding the college football playoff. Do you think it's just fine the way it is, the college football playoff, and it shouldn't be expanded? 
you know, I think when when they created the college football playoff, um, uh, they they really they were creating a system that was just doomed to fail, just because you're leaving out one Power Five champion. So you know, you have a playoff of four, and you have five Power five, uh, Power conferences. And I think it's doomed to fail when that when that happens. And um, I believe, and from talking to people this year, and really talking to people. <laughs> Pretty much immediately when the playoff formed, um, you knew it was eventually going to be expanded to include all five Power Five champions. And, uh, and yeah, Brett McMurphy at Stadium did a great piece on um, from polling ads. And you know, again, I, it's not a to me, it's not news that that we're going to eventually expand. I think it's definitely going to come. It, it is. It was surprising to see the actual number, like seventy-five to eighty percent of ads favor expansion that that seems so high and just tells me again that there's no doubt that we're you know it's inevitable that we're we're going to expand the playoff and you're probably going to look at a model um and we heard about this model a little bit in new york in december at the hall of fame um is uh, you know five automatic bids uh for the five each power five champion and then you have two at large uh and then you have the best group of five team getting in it's like probably the eight seed so um, in an 18 playoff, so that that's that's probably the one that's being discussed the most. And I got one more for you before I just kind of this popped in my head. You know, Ross, just more just more on you. What's it like? How much has like your life changed over the last few weeks? You just kind of having to because I know you definitely spend a lot more time writing as opposed to maybe you're probably more used to working from home than anything. Ross, how much has your kind of life changed over the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for my job, it, it's it's not all that different. Uh, it, what I'm writing about is different. Obviously, we're focusing on how the virus has impacted college sports. Um, you know, I'm mixing some some other things eventually. But right now, the last couple of weeks, we've been focused on how the virus impacts college sports. There's so many angles and stories to take. Um, but, yeah, I'm used to working from home. Uh, I'm used to going out a little more to, to bars and restaurants and things like that. That's been an adjustment having to – be cooped up in the uh, in my apartment here in DC, so that's been the biggest adjustment. But yeah, I'm pretty pretty used to uh, working in uh, um, you know working in gym shorts and flip flops um, from my house. That's uh, kind of how I've done it for a decade. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, and whenever we get whenever you get back to Lafayette, Louisiana, man, I'm gonna get you a bourbon. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, Bur- all right, Ross Dellinger. You can follow him on help follow him on Twitter at Ross Dellinger. Gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll be back with a lot more. Chris Gordy talking Texans and maybe a little Strohs next. The numbers don't lie because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by one hundred forty-one and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. Fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hope you're having a great Saturday afternoon live from the game studios. As always, 
And right now we're going to go over to H-Town. We went from Washington, D.C. with Ross Dellinger. Now we're going to have on Chris Gordy, part of Sports Talk 790 and Sports 1280 in New Orleans. Chris, what's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, man? Hope uh, hope all is well in your uh, in your world as we live in these strange, weird times. Hey, man. Bottom line is, I'm still on the air, so I'm doing pretty well, Chris. I, I, how, how have things been for you in this like weird time over in a really heavily populated area like H Town? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, we, I work in radio just like you do, and uh, we were told kind of early on that. You know, they wanted to keep us on the air as kind of almost a distraction. You know, like we have a news talk station that's obviously working around the clock with, like, the real news hardcore stuff. But we're staying on the air talking sports. And I got to give for all the gruff that he's gotten the past few years. And obviously, look, as a Saints fan, I, uh, I've had my issues with Roger Goodell. Kudos for him for standing firm and keeping the NFL free agency and all that going because it's given us in the sports world – something to talk about and you know more so a distraction all the real stuff going on in this world right now so uh shout out to the nfl because if 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 they had shut down free agency several weeks ago and you're talking no nba no mlb nothing i think we'd all go, have gone insane so at least the nfl has been active and the houston texans the team i, I cover on a daily basis they have been very active they have been very active and also very weird. Like I think that's definitely the the proper word here, because right out of the gate they trade DeAndre Hopkins for basically Monix and a washing machine. It felt like when you just look at what they did with that with that big trade, the first domino to fall, trading Nuke Hopkins for David Johnson. What is what was Bill O'Brien thinking with that? Um, we don't think he was thinking at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I said it's. A- I said at the time, and it is not hyperbole, it is the worst trade in Houston sports history. Um, you know, and, and might be the worst trade in NFL history. I mean, we could go back to, you know, maybe the Herschel Walker trade. I mean, we can go back to all these big trades throughout the history of the NFL. None was as stupid as this trade. I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, in my downtime, I fired up the Madden video game, and uh, I couldn't believe when I looked at, you know, what to the player ratings. The, the number, the highest rated player in Madden 20 is Aaron Donald. The number two highest rated player in the video game is DeAndre Hopkins. That just tells you how good this guy is. And the fact that he couldn't even get a first round pick for him. One, it's stupid enough to trade DeAndre Hopkins. It's even dumber to not get a first round pick. And I think everybody in Houston is still kind of scratching their heads and trying to figure out what happened. And, you know, we've heard reports that, oh, he, he uh, headbutted with Bill O'Brien and, you know, there were even some reports saying, oh, well, you know, he was showing up, uh, he was skipping practices and all this. And I said, that's, you know what, that's fine and all, but the dude shows up on Sunday and produces. So, uh, again, we'll find out eventually one day what actually happened behind closed doors. But for now, it, it leaves a lot of Houston Texans fans scratching their heads. And it's been such a disaster that even last Friday, uh, the, the GM, or Bill O'Brien, who's the coach NGM, and the owner, Cal McNair, had a conference call with season ticket holders to basically tell them, trust the process here. We know what we're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing. And then they go ahead. This is the biggest reason why I wanted to call you, because the fact that they agreed to another trade a few days ago, and it became official yesterday, about a trade for Brandon Cooks, former New Orleans Saint, 
Heck of a talent, don't get me wrong. But I think the biggest thing, not only the fact he's got a history with injuries and concussions, but also the fact there's an albatross of a contract that the Rams were wanting to give up, and you gave them basically nothing to get this guy that, honestly, you've, you're, now you're dealing with a whole headache in terms of just a salary cap. Well, here's the interesting thing on the on the Brandon Cooks contract is, yes, he's in the midst of a five-year, $81 million contract, but there is an out after this year. They can get out of the contract with zero dead money. And so, you know, some people are kind of spinning going, see, they can get out of this. They can get out of this. And I'm going, well, that's fine and all, but what if he's good? What if he produces this year? Are you still going to, at the end of the year, go, well, we're, we're cutting you. We're, at, we're getting out of this contract. So, like, that's where the catch becomes is, if he's good, you want to keep him. But do you want to keep him at that dollar figure? Uh, the flip side is Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, two of their other wide receivers, are free agents after this year. Will Fuller was the former first-round pick. And, again, if Will Fuller is good this year, that means you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. If not, you know, do, do, if he stinks, you know, do you even want to keep him? So there's all these decisions that are going to be made, and people are trying to soften the blow, going, oh, well, they can get out of this. They can do this. But the reality is, they should have just kept DeAndre Hopkins. What doesn't make sense to me is DeAndre Hopkins had three years left on his deal. And Bill O'Brien says, well, he wanted more money. You know what the counter to that is? Sorry, we can't pay you more money. Like, you're under contract. You want to skip training camp? You want to sit out? You're going to be fine. So, like, I, I don't understand why there was this urgent need to get DeAndre Hopkins out of the building. And uh, to be honest, to go back to my Madden uh, comparison, if you play with the Houston Texans, in Madden this year, that's a hell of a team. That's that's a really good receiving core of Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, DeAndre ha- or uh, Randall Cobb, and Brandon Cooks. That's a good foursome. The problem is none of those guys stay healthy. Brandon Cooks has had major concussion issues the last couple of seasons. Will Fuller is always out with injuries. Randall Cobb has had his fair share of injuries. So it, the reality is not all of those guys are going to stay healthy, and that's what's going to hurt the Texans. It's going to hurt the Texans. It's going to hurt this entire team. It's just the bottom line. It's like, how can you waste a talent like Deshaun Watson and give him a bunch of like jabronis that you found on the side of the road to throw to? You can. Like, this is a team last year that was in the playoffs and managed to make it to the divisional round. After it's 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 mind boggling. Well, and don't forget they they also took on the contract of David Johnson, which. They're paying the entire contract. They didn't. Even, they couldn't even get Arizona to eat up part of that contract. By the way, there were rumblings that they were going to cut him because they couldn't find anybody to trade with him. Lo and behold, they get Bill O'Brien on the hell on the phone and says, "Hey, we'll give you DeAndre Hopkins for him." Uh, if David Johnson can get back to the form that he was two, three years ago, then he'll be great. But the problem is he's had injury concerns year in and year out. So. It really comes down to if this team can stay fully healthy. Right now, all the money you're saving from paying DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be on the phone with, with the best medical training staff out there and saying, hey, we want to hire you for the Houston Texans. We need we need you to come in and keep all these guys as healthy as possible. And if they do, they're going to be one of the best, better teams in the AFC. The problem is I just don't see that happening. Talk right now with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790, also Sports 1280 out in New Orleans. But, you know, Chris, let's flip it on over. I think, obviously, another big thing that kind of popped up yesterday was that the Houston Roughnecks, the XFL, no more the Roughnecks, the uncrowned champion, a lot like the Orlando Apollos in the AAF. You know, what was kind of the vibe over in Houston about 
this XFL team, the Roughnecks, who were very close to having a cease and desist worthy logo that looked very similar to the Houston Oilers logo back in the day. What was kind of the vibe over there in H Town about the Roughnecks? Well, the, it, look, I mean, they, it was what it was. They were, um, you know, it, you, with any kind of little small expansion football league, it's going to take success to, to breed popularity. But from the get-go, the Roughnecks were an exciting brand of football to watch. Uh, the quarterback, T.J. Walker, who had uh, played his college ball at Temple, played a little NFL ball as a backup to Andrew Luck with the Colts, he was an electric playmaker, and he really made some throws that you looked at and went, man, those are some NFL-type throws. And so, you know, now he's gotten his chance. He signed a, a free agent deal with the Carolina Panthers, and you know, they ended up trading Kyle Allen out of there. He's going to have every chance in the world to earn that backup spot to Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina this year. So mm-hmm. that, that'll be a fun thing to watch. But it's, it was sad to hear yesterday that the league will not be coming back. I had a friend who bought season tickets, and uh, she got an email three days ago that said, you know, hey, uh, we can either refund you for the rest of the season or you can apply that credit to next season. She said, all right, well, I'll apply that to next season. Well, they came back with an email yesterday and said, yeah, uh, we're just going to go ahead and give you a refund because we're canceling the entire 2021 season and, and shutting everything down. So it sucks. I mean, it, the XFL was, was seeing some success. Vince McMahon, I thought, had a really – he had thought it out a little bit more than the AAF. So I don't know if they're ever going to come back, but – for a couple of weeks, it was exciting to have an undefeated 5-0 and football team in Houston. And to be honest, a lot of people had more hope for the Roughnecks than they did the Houston Texans. And I'd say that that, that hope was definitely found, well-founded because you got to think about it. They were undefeated, and you brought up they were an undefeated team in football in Houston. I mean, they were the one thing in Houston that people weren't up in arms about. Bill O'Brien being the GM, the Astros, and the whole sign-stealing scandal kind of taking over the world of Houston. Of, h-town and, and you know we'll get to that in a minute but like for like for a brief moment in time there was something positive about houston sports yeah it was and you know the rockets they had a uh, goal with the small ball thing and, and traded for robert covington all that so some people were excited about that but yeah with, with all the distractions with the asterisk scandal and, and all that it was it was nice to have a team to, that you could root for and Unfortunately, if you got a Houston Roughnecks T-shirt, that may end up being a collector's item years from now. Exactly. If you have a PJ Walker jersey, frame that bad boy up. That'll be worth a lot of money someday. <laughs> but I'm uh, we'll talk right now with Chris Gordy, and I brought this up at the end of the first hour of the program about the fact that Bob Nightingale report came out about MLB looking to move to no longer ALNL, but instead Grapefruit and Cactus League to where the Astros would be in the same division as the defending World Series champs, the Nats, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Miami Marlins. Like, if this were to happen, if this, like, hypothetical world that's being proposed happens, how cool would it be to have that Astros-Cardinals rivalry renewed? Yeah, it, it would be weird. I was talking with a, a co-worker yesterday who said, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick and tired of all these hypotheticals about all you know all these weird hypotheticals about returning the the leagues to normal and i said i said you might be tired of it but the reality is when sports do come back it's not going to be normal it's not going to be what we're used to it's going to have to be some weird out-of-the-box thinking on how this thing gets back to normal because i just don't see us returning unless we have some dramatic or some drastic uh changes in the coming weeks where you know, this virus basically goes out the window or we, 
we develop a vaccine sooner than, than, than we expected. Something drastic would have to happen for us to just say, hey, every MLB team, go back to your home stadiums and we're going to play crowd. Even with no fans in the stands, I find it hard to believe that you know, they're going to have to, they're going to return and play their ball at all the MLB ballparks. So they've been floating out these ideas about going to the spring training facilities. And it makes sense if you think about it, because you're, you're in close proximity to other teams. So it would be easy to travel, you know, 50, 60 plus people to, an, to another stadium, keep everybody somewhat isolated. So it, it sounds like a crazy idea, but it's not out of the real, real realm of possibility for happening. And as long as it would be the caveat of, look, this is one season. It's one way that we're going to get the games in. The only problem for the Astros is the, the, the teams that they want to pair them up against, the Nationals and some of these other teams, there's some really good pitching staffs for those teams. So if that is what ends up happening, it, it may mean bad news for the Astros this season. But, look, whatever we got to do to have some form of sports, I keep looking on my sports betting account with all the money just sitting in there right now that I'm not able to bet on anything. And I'm thinking, can we just get some kind of baseball, some kind of sports back soon? Exactly. We're getting kind of tired of the reruns of all the classic games, and we're actually airing a classic Astros game right after we're done here on Under the Dome at straight up 12 o'clock. But, you know, before I let you go, is we, we were talking about the Astros. Do you think the, like, the teams that are going to be playing the Astros, once we do resume, start the regular season off after probably – a couple of weeks of spring training to get these, or summer training, I guess you would call it, to get these guys and their bodies in control. That way they can be ready to go once we get started being in May, June, July, whenever it is. Do you think the backlash from the players will still be as bad, or do you think that's going to be less and now that they've kind of had to kind of like time to think about everything? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the. the you're still going to hear it from some of the other players. The question is, will the fans, you know, still be? And look, if you have no fans in the stands, maybe that's the best thing that can happen for the Astros. You know, I mean, the broadcasters and all that—they're still going to bring up the cheating scandal and all that. But I, you know what? If I'm an Astros fan, I almost welcome that talk right now. I almost, you know what? If we can get back to some bit of normalcy where people are complaining about the Astros cheating scandal and that's the focus of discussion that almost embrace that because that's better than what we have right now where literally every day it's, you know, turn on the talking heads on CNN or Fox News or whatever and get updates on a virus. Now, I would embrace cheating scandal talk right now over what we currently have. Exactly. And, Chris, thank you so much for coming on, my man. Best, best wishes to you and everybody else out there in H-Town as we get through these trying times. I'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, that was our guy Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790, also does a show on Sports 1280 New Orleans. Absolutely enjoy talking to him. It was great to kind of – I actually got to meet him last year at SCC Media Days. That's how we kind of got in touch. And I was like, hell, I'm going to try and book him as much as I can. And, hell, the Texans make stupid trades. I'm going to have him on. And now we're going to deviate from the norm once again before we wrap up the program because I've got one more take left to fire off, and it's – a little bit different. Just bear with me. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top? 
number and make that a little loud. These go to 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. And my final take for this show actually revolves around something I mentioned on Facebook the other day. I saw this pop up through one of my friends and former co-workers who used to be a board up for Astros games not too long ago. That is my buddy Nick Grimmel. Now he works for WAFB. He shared something, and it was Disney Plus promoting the fact that a Goofy movie came out 25 years ago. This is, I believe, on Tuesday or Wednesday. Trust me, the days kind of mesh together a lot. But he mentioned about the fact it's a great watch for kids and parents. Honestly, here's my take about it. It is the most underrated Disney movie of all time. We're talking about strictly Disney, not Buena Vista, not Marvel, not Star Wars. We're talking straight up Disney movies. And not the Disney Channel movies, just OG Disney movies before Pixar took over. This was like a movie that was slept on. You had a real, like, I'm surprised people know about a goofy movie. It's a damn good, it's a strong movie. The soundtrack's awesome. Powerline, a.k.a. Tevin Campbell. It's a great, great movie. I'd recommend you go check it out. If you haven't already, it's on Disney Plus right now. I just, somebody brought it up to me on, brought it up on social media, and I'm like, you know what, guys? That is the most underrated movie. I just look up and down, and like, the IMDb shows that how many people, like, Rotten Tomatoes has a mixed review. This is undisputed the best movie. I love it, and hopefully you've checked it out as well. But I'm about done here, guys. I am out of here on this Saturday afternoon. We got Astros baseball, a classic re-airing of a game from last season. Coming up next, you're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Peace. Hey, Clavis, wake up. It's your Oh, yeah. Kick it.